0: Matthew chapter 9. We'll start reading in verse 18. While He was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before Him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed Him with His disciples. And behold, a woman who, was, who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to, him, to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, He said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at Him. But when the crowd had been put outside, He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. Matthew starts his account... Kind of linking it to uh, the the last two passages, giving us the, the 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 kind of the setting that this happened at Matthew's house. He said while he was saying these things, remember that that Jesus had been going through uh, the district, going through Capernaum, and and he passed this tax booth where a certain tax collector named Matthew was sitting and he, and he, and he gave a, an invitation to Matthew and he said, follow me. And Matthew had, had, had gotten up, left his lucrative tax collecting business and, and followed Jesus. Matthew was so, um, what would be the right word? Thankful, grateful, Moved by by this invitation that Jesus reached out to him, this despicable sinner, traitor in the eyes of of, of the rest of Israel, and and given him that invitation to follow him as a uh, you know a believer, a disciple, that he gave this this great party, and he invited all his friends. Well, tax collectors basically had. Other tax collectors for their friends. And, and, and while they were there eating, the, 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 the Pharisees saw this and they, they began to grumble and said, Why, ask Jesus' disciples, why does he uh, grumble? Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? While that's happening, or, or as that discussion was con- concluding, some disciples of John came. And, and ask Jesus, why don't your disciples fast like our disciples and, and the Pharisees fast? So, so while Jesus is, is saying those things there in, in Matthew's house, this, this ruler comes in. It's, it's an account that basically is two interruptions. Two people approach Jesus during this time and, and interrupt him. He, he's talking to uh, just uh, the, the disciples of John asking, "Why don't your disciples fast? After he had, had was visiting there with, with Matthew and the tax collectors. While he's saying this, all of a sudden this says this, this a ruler comes in. Mark and, and Luke both uh, record these, Th- these these same events in in, in kind of a, a longer uh, versions of them Matthew is is more uh, concise uh, he t- nine verses cover this the this 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 event of uh, the 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 raising of of the ruler's daughter Mark writes it in 23 verses, and, and Luke uses 17 verses to, to record the same events. Matthew is, is just condensed. If you read Mark and Luke, you'll see many of the things that, that, that Matthew leaves out. They're, they're all pointing toward the same thing. What would that be? That Jesus has authority over death. That up until now, Jesus has been... Ministering, he's he's healed the 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 sick, the 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 lame, uh, whether it be uh, there or in the case of the centurion servant from a distance, he's cast out demons, he's even calmed the sea. But all of those miracles pale in comparison to what raising someone from the dead. That just does not happen. It did not happen. If you recall from the Old Testament, there are three accounts in the Old Testament of, of someone being raised from the dead. Elijah did one and Elisha did one. And then there was an, an account in 2 Kings 13, if you remember this, it, it, one of the footnotes in, in, in the ESV uh, reminded me of this, an incredible account where they after Elisha died and they had buried him, and, and soon after that, another man died. And, and, and the group that's carrying this man to his, to his tomb, they, they saw these Moabite raiders coming down to, to just to, to raid, to terrorize, to kill, to steal. And, and, and they're frightened and, and they look around. It's like, oh, there's, there's a grave. There's Elisha's grave. Let's just chunk him in there. And they throw him in there. And it said when his body hit... Elisha's bones, that man was raised from the dead. So, but it, so it's not a common uh, uh, occurrence. And, and you know that. It's not a common occurrence today. I mean, you may be in an emergency room and, they, and, and a cardiologist, or you know, they, they shock your heart and somebody comes back from the dead. But it's, the point is not to show us that, oh, you can raise people from the dead. The point is that Jesus has power over death. So he starts with this, this behold, while Jesus is there, that, that sort of an a, a, a exclamation word, it's actually two words, kai edu. Look, here comes a ruler. Who is this ruler? Well, we, run, we learned from Mark and Luke that this man's name is Jairus, Jairus, and he's the ruler, one of the rulers of the synagogue. He's not a priest. He's, some say he, he may have been a Pharisee, one who, who helps organize. may not have even been a teacher. He may have been what we would call uh, you know, bigger churches today. They have an administrative pastor. He, he, he pays the bills. He sets up this. He organizes. But he's, he's, he's a very important person in the synagogue. This, and this ruler comes to, to Jesus, and what does he do? So so think Jewish leader. What had the Jewish leaders done up until this point in Matthew's account? They've questioned Jesus. But here comes one. He comes in and he kneels down before Jesus. He he bows down, shows reverence to this rabbi from this small town in Galilee. And he and, and he comes and he tells him, My daughter has died. Now, if you remember the accounts or have read them in Mark and Luke, remember they're they're they write longer accounts. Matthew is, is condensing it. They all end with the same fact: my daughter has died. But Mark and Luke both say that as he left, his daughter uh, w- was sick. That that she and, and, and they knew she was dying. There's there's no hope. That that he 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 leaves his his house and goes to Jesus initially to to to, uh, to 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 find him to come and heal his daughter from an illness. But by the time he gets there, she has died, and he gets word. It's not a contradiction. It's just that Matthew is, is condensing the story and he gets to the, to the most important part and that's that the little girl has died. And so, so Jesus then, it says, he, he rose and followed him. It's not that he doesn't know where the man lives, but he, he lets the father take him back to, it, to, to his house that, that he might uh, that he might Jesus knows what he's going to do. That he's going to to raise this this young girl that that has died, and you get the sense that he immediately raises up to rises up, gets out of his uh, his seat. They're reclining at the at the tables in in Matthew's house uh, to to go with with this father. We had a similar. Uh, account back in chapter eight, were a centurion. Now his 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 servant wasn't dead, but this this centurion came, and 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 told Jesus that his servant was was paralyzed, and and he just said, "Say the word, and you can, and, and my servant will be healed." And he said, "I'm not worthy for you to come." into my house. Here we have a, a a Jewish leader, a leader of the synagogue, who, who he could have done the same thing, but he he goes into the house of sinners. The Gentile centurion told Jesus, I'm, I'm not worthy. He knows that, that, that separation that, that the Jews and the Gentiles have, that wedge between them, that, that racial prejudice. And he just says, you don't have to come to my house. You can just say this. But here, this this leader of the synagogue, he, he is so desperate. He even goes into the house of a tax collector to... to, to Begged Jesus to come and, and to, to save his, his daughter. Jesus had told the Pharisees when they grumbled about him reclining, eating, and fellowshipping with, with tax collectors and sinners, he, he had told them the sick, the, the well, don't have need to go to a physician. And so, so now one who is sick comes to the great physician, comes to Jesus, and he, he immediately leaves that. There's, it, it's, it's, it's as if he, he doesn't, it doesn't bother him that this man is interrupting him, that, that he's, he's actually coming to do this bidding on, on behalf of his daughter for the reason that Jesus came. To, to show that he conquers sin and, and death. So it says Jesus gets up and they, and they go to uh, head to his house. And while they're going, he says, Behold, this woman who suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years comes up behind him and touches the fringe of his garment. So it, it's another interruption but, it, but it, neither one of them bothered Jesus. Do, do interruptions... I started to say interrupt us. Do interruptions bother you, bug you? It, I mean, it's like, wh- why are you bothering me now? I'm doing this. And, and I know a lot of times it's, you know... People will say, well, you just can't multitask. You know, it's like you, you have to multitask. You got to be able to do more, you know, more than one thing at, at once. But but we feel like, oh, I'm I'm set on this path and this is important. I mean, Jesus was there, he he was explaining to his kind of his allies, the disciples of, of John, they just haven't uh, realized just exactly who Jesus is you know, what, what his purpose is and that while the bridegroom is there, the wedding party doesn't mourn and, and, and fast. But here comes Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. And as they're going, a, a, another interruption of this, this, this woman who is, who is sick. She's had this discharge of, of blood for 12 years. We, we learned from uh, Luke and Mark that the little girl is 12 years old. And here this this woman has suffered this uncleanness. You can read Leviticus 15 that, that talks about men and women and, and and discharges from their body, how it makes them unclean. What, what did what did that mean? It wasn't that they were a sinner, but they were unclean. They could not go to the temple for worship. They could not come in contact with other people. They were, they had to be isolated, even warn other people. If they sat on a chair or laid in a bed, whatever, touched something, those things became unclean. And and she has been suffering from this for, for 12 years. As a matter of fact, Luke and Mark both say that she had spent all of her money on doctors trying to get over this, and yet nothing had happened. As a matter of fact, she had even gotten worse. She has, she is just at at, she has no other hope. But think about it, she has no other hope except to turn to Jesus. I mean, that's a, that's a spiritual picture of, of us, of, of all people. There is no other hope for the spiritual uncleanliness, uncleanness that we, that we have, that humanity suffers. Going back to, to the passage that, well, Corey didn't get that far, of, the, of, 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 of Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit. And, and the curse then that came upon them. But there is no other hope except Jesus, but maybe except is not the right word. At least there is the hope of Jesus and the cleansing that, that He provides. So as He's going, and, and, and Luke and Mark, they, they, they emphasize, it's, 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 it's more dramatic. The crowd is following Him. You know, by now great crowds are are following Jesus. Jairus comes to Matthew's house and said, Lord, my my, my daughter has died. I need you to come and lay your hands on her and, and she will live. And he gets up and he and he goes that way, and there are crowds all around him. I think, I can't remember which one says, a throng, a throng of people. That's that's like a bunch. They're, they're, they're pressing all around him. And, and as they go, Ma- uh, Mark and Luke say he felt power leave his body. He, he feels some, not necessarily somebody touching him, but, but, but power left his body. People are shoulder to shoulder around him, and, and many touching him, but one touches him for healing, one touches him with faith. And just touches the fringe of his garment. These, these four tassels that are uh, uh, on the bottom lower part of the robe that were to remind the Jews to, to study the commandments and, and to pray. To study the, the, the Word of God and to, and to pray. There are these, these tassels. And, and this woman reaches up and, and touches that. And, and she's healed immediately. But Jesus stops what is Jairus doing when Jesus stops? What is Jairus thinking? It's like, come on, come on, of course somebody touched you. There, there's a crowd of people all around you. Of course somebody touched you. I mean, we get impatient. We want whatever it is that we're praying about. It's, you know, Lord, give me patience and give me patience now. But, and, and Jairus is desperate. And, 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 and Jesus stops, and He says, somebody touched me. And, and in one account, we read that, that Peter said, well, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect Peter, you know, example of Peter's uh, personality and the things he'd say. He says, Lord, there, there's people all around you. Yeah, somebody touched you. Jesus says, no, I felt power leave me. Somebody touched me to, to be made whole. Somebody touched me in, in, in faith, and he, and he stops and he, and he looks around and, and the woman sees Jesus and knows what he's doing. Oh, he's realized it. He's realized that I, that I touched him. And she came in fear and she knelt down beside him, before him and said, I've suffered from this, from this hemorrhaging. From this discharge for 12 years and there's the doctors say there's nothing they can do I've spent all I all I have on, on, on doctors and yet I, I'm, I'm still suffering from this and I'm unclean and and I believe that only you could heal me and it says that she was healed immediately and, and Jesus said and you know Matthew says take take heart daughter Your faith has made you well. What made her well? Her faith or the object of her faith? The object of her faith is Jesus. It's her faith in Jesus that made her well. It's not really splitting hairs. I'm I'm not one to split hairs. It's The object of the faith, you know, it's contrary. The passage is not about, it's not like many false teachers would say, well, if you have faith, you will be made well. The the passage is to show us Jesus' authority and Jesus' power and the faith is in, it's the object of the faith, Jesus not the fact that I have faith. Yes, she had faith. But the, the, but the main point is that where was that faith centralized? It was in Jesus. And, and that was what made her well. And it says that instantly the woman was made well. So they continue on, you know. That was just a, a, a minor interruption. They, they continue on and they get to, to Jairus' house and Matthew says that the flute players and the crowd were making a commotion. It was that e- the, the, the custom of the day and even the the, the Mishnah, one of the interpretations of the, of the rabbinic tradition said that even poor people had to hire two flute players to, to make this shrill, this, this high-pitched sound. And you, and you had to hire at least one professional mourner to, to, to wail. And, and cry out when someone died. And Jairus, as a, as a ruler of the synagogue, they ha- he has, he, you would think he has more money, is, is more wealthy. You know, he's been on his way to, to see Jesus. When he left, he didn't know his little girl was dead. Did they just take it upon himself? You know, that, did did Jairus' wife... Call in these mourners and the flute players to, to do this, or or did just some well-meaning neighbor say, "Hey, th- their little girl died. We you know get, get the crowd together, and, and they begin to to, uh, to to wail and and and, and to mourn and, and to just cry out in grief, because death is final." And here's a 12-year-old girl that, that has died. And, and so as they approach the, the house, they, they see this and hear this. And, and, and Jesus goes in and he tells them, go away. She's not dead. She's only asleep. I remember this song, Don Francisco, uh, Christian singer in the, in the, in the 70s. I'm not sure if he started in the 60s. I know he was singing in the 70s. And he, and he had this song called Gotta Tell Somebody. And it's, it's about this account. And he, and he says that, um, that it only took a moment for their wails to turn to jeers. That Jesus said, she's not dead as you suppose. The child is just asleep. And just like that, they, 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 they begin to ridicule him and laugh at him. And, and and jeer him saying, What do you mean? You know, she's, she's dead, we know she's dead, we were here. That that she's dead. But he says that 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 Jesus put them outside. Don Francisco's song, it's it's kind of a compilation of all the, 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 the gospels and, and maybe some artistic license. And and he said that that he spoke to the crowd with the thunder of command. And he had never heard that sort of authority coming out. And, and the crowd just dispersed. They, they left. And then, and then Jesus and, and his three disciples, Peter, James, and John, they go in with the, the mother and the father to, to the room where the, where the little girl is lying. And then he takes her by the hand and says, Child, arise. And what happened immediately? She was revived; her her life was restored. And and then and then Jesus tells them Matthew doesn't record it, but he says, "Give her something to eat." You know, take care now of her of her physical needs. But he says, as to how her life was changed, you know, was, was was returned. Don't speak a word. Don't tell anyone. And it's, it, it's, he's in the Jewish part of, of Galilee. And, and it's not time for, for the nation to make a final decision on him. His disciples aren't, aren't ready for, for what their role will be. And so he, he says, don't tell anybody. But Matthew gives kind of gives it away. He says, a report went out through all the district. I mean, how do you keep something like that secret? That, that the, the neighbors know, the disciples know, the parents know, the, the little girl knows. And, and so that, that, that word then spreads that now Jesus has raised someone from the dead what's the difference in, in how Jesus raises someone and, and those Old Testament accounts e- Elijah and elisha two of the greatest Old Testament prophets they both had to work at it remember they they lay down on top of the body and then they they, they lay down then they get up Elijah walks around you know back and forth and you can think of one of those you know you're you're, you're working on something and you're you're, you're you're, you're, you're diligent. You're working. you got to just get up and pace back and forth and think about it. And then he lays back down on the body and he prays three times. And then finally, the, there's breath and life in the body. It's a little bit different when Jesus raises Jairus' daughter. And in a couple more uh, chapters, the one from, from the, the boy from Nain or Lazarus, that he speaks and immediately that person is, is raised from, from, from the dead. Isaiah in, in chapter 61 said that the Messiah would come to reverse the, the, the symbolism or, or, or the way that we look at death. They will, they will get rid of the, the mourning and put a headdress on, a, a celebration. You, you can imagine that that the little girl's parents, Jairus and his wife, you know, they they, they celebrated. They were, they were elated, maybe more than, than when she was first born. It's their 12-year-old daughter. And, and one account says his only daughter I idea of his only child and she was dead but now she's uh, uh, alive and, and and they celebrate and the Isaiah said the Messiah is going to change that the way we look at death entirely that that believers in Christ not that we don't mourn or that it's wrong to mourn but but we know the the ultimate outcome is that Indeed, those who are dead in Christ are what? They're only asleep. You know, that, 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 that Paul says, I, I don't want you to be misinformed or uninformed of those who sleep. That when he returns, those who, who are, were, that are dead, they will be raised first and meet him in the air. That, that death is only temporary. It's, it's as if they were just sleeping. What does he tell the disciples when, when word reaches him that Lazarus has died? And, it, and, it, and it's a, 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 a desperate time. It's near the end of his, his ministry. And he says, we're going to go and we're going to wake up Lazarus. It's like, you sure you want to go to, to Judea? The, the Pharisees, the, the, the Sadducees, all of the Jewish leaders, they want to kill you and you want us to go back? Yeah, we've got to go back. We've got to wake him up. And they don't understand. If, if he's taking a nap, if he's sleeping, he's going to wake up on his own. And finally Jesus has to spell it out to him. Lazarus has died. And I'm going that I might raise him from the dead. So it's, it's, in, in one sense it's just a, 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 meta, a euphemism for, for death. But it's also a picture of, of how death really affects a believer that it's it's temporary. it's like it's like sleeping that Christ will raise all from the dead. We have two people in the account that are basically dead. One that the woman is is unclean and 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 spiritually, um, communally. She's, she's dead. She can't touch anyone. She, she has to avoid people. We don't know if she's married. You know, perhaps she's, she's not married. There's no husband that's going to take her. No good Jewish husband. And if she's married, she can't come in contact with her husband. If she already had children, she couldn't come in contact with them. She's, she's as good as dead because of this 12-year this hemorrhaging uh, discharge of, of blood. And then you've got the little girl who is dead. And yet Jesus restores both of them to, to life. The, the, the woman is healed and now she can experience life with with her her friends, her family, and in a even in a, a religious sense. The little girl was dead, but she's raised from from the dead. Jesus has reversed the effects of the curse, the curse that God put on on Adam and Eve when they sinned in the, in the garden. That. Death, where is your sting? You know the grave, where is your victory? That he has overcome sin and death. This is just a—it's a, it, a physical illustration of what Jesus's power and his his resurrection does for all who believe in uh, in, in a spiritual sense, and it, and it also does. Does the passage call for a response by us? And if so, well, if not, tell me why it doesn't. But if it does, what is the call for a response? That's kind of a, maybe that's a, question to, to ponder. Does the passage call for a response? I mean, you see how they, they responded. I mean, Jairus and, and his wife, they, they, they celebrate, they take their daughter back. The, the, the woman she's made well, she can go now back to her family. I mean, there, there are rituals involved in the, you know, once this discharge is stopped, that she's unclean till that evening, then she's got to wait seven days and take two turtle doves to the, to the priest, and then the next day she is totally cleansed. But, but does seeing, reading, uh, hearing these accounts, what kind of a response? How is your faith? How is your faith? Who is your faith in? I mean, it's, it's the object of our faith. It's, yes, we're, we're to have faith, but it, it's got to be in the right thing, the right one. What about the promise of eternal life that Jesus gives to us and our response to that? Do do, do we respond to that once we have believed? If I received Christ as my Savior, see, I was a, a, a young, elementary age boy, or maybe you were a high school girl, or, or maybe a young adult, that, but, but that it's years past that, that we became a believer, should we still respond to that salvation, to, to, to that life, eternal life that that He brings, that He gives. It's like we, okay, I did this long ago. And, and and someday I'm gonna die. And I'm really hoping that He does what He says he's gonna do. And, and that I will be with Him in, in, in paradise in heaven. And that one day I'll be be raised. But is it just two two ends? Or is there a way we can respond in between those two events? Our our salvation and our our ultimate resurrection to to an eternal life, a new body. Does it call for a response to... of our faith, absolutely. But then our praise, our thanksgiving of, of you've done this. I was as hopeless as this woman who spent all her money trying to get well. I was as hopeless as this little girl who was dead. There was no life in her body. That I was, as, in a spiritual sense dead, hopeless. There's no way I could buy this, but Jesus gave me that salvation, and so my my response should be one of of thanksgiving and praise all the days of of my life. And not just thinking, okay, you know, later we're going to worship in heaven but, but that because of that promise that we will worship God in heaven, that my, my days here should be filled with worship, with praise and thanksgiving. I know you've, you're, you're familiar with these accounts. And, and Matthew, though he's brief, he's still he's still showing us that you know, Jesus has power over sickness and disease. He's got he's got power over the d- demonic world, he's got power over nature and, 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 and the storm. But now he shows us that he's got power over death. A- and what is the greatest fear that we ultimately have without Christ? And that is the fear of, of death. But but since Christ conquers death, He has authority over death that, that should be of no concern to us because it is only sleep.